2: Welcome back, Tiger fans. It's Before the Box Score. I'm Nate Edwards. It's been a crap week. It's also Arkansas week. Those two are not specifically related, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, NCAA sanctions coming down. Thanksgiving around the corner. Black Friday the day after that. And then ending our miserable season against Arkansas. I I, I got some good news. Um, I think I found somebody who is just as excited to end the season as we are. And because tonight I am joined by uh, Saul Malone, who is a contributing author for Arkansas Fight and the host of Woo Podsui, which I was on last night. And we had actually a surprisingly good time talking about how terrible our teams were. So Saul, say hello to the listenership.
1: What's up, everybody? Super glad to be here. And yes, uh, it is a crap week. It's also Missouri week slash Arkansas week for you guys. And I'm going to say the two are correlated.
2: (laughs) Here we go. Oh, we are in the, the Battle Line Trophy, presented by who?
1: Shelter Insurance, baby. Shelter
2: Insurance. Your shield, your shelter. <laughs> um, gosh. We're just, uh, we are ready for this season to be over, and, and we are ready to play each other. Um, you know, Saul, I've, I've talked to pretty much everybody on our schedule that's SEC, and the first right. thing I always ask them is, you know, we, we are the new kids on the block. So after eight years of Missouri football infiltrating the SEC, what are your thoughts on the Tigers?
1: Yeah, you know, I thought you guys came on pretty strong. Uh, you know, I've, I've grown up in the SEC my entire life. I grew up, my dad went to Ole Miss and got his PhD there, so I've grown up around SEC football almost exclusively, and I had some doubts about the Tigers and the Aggies, to be fair, when both of you came in. I didn't expect of you to be to come in, but you guys came on pretty strong, honestly. Uh, didn't, didn't just completely tank. But to be honest, like I haven't really paid much attention to you guys since I would say 2015. Um, just kind of have lost. Mm-hmm. You guys haven't really been on the scene as much as you used to be. I remember you guys kind of were always consistently in the conversation, especially with, in the Big 12 days of just top ranked teams and kind of were kind of hangers around in the top 25. I think I really started paying attention to you guys again this year when you guys signed both Kelly Bryant and Larry Nance Jr. Uh, Larry Nance Jr. coming over from Arkansas, so a big deal and just kind of put you guys back on my radar and you know it's been kind of a, a parallel season for you guys to Arkansas to just had these really high expectations you feel like you have you know a coach that's in not his first year anymore and he's got the players he wants and it feels like some success should come your way and it just hasn't happened so it's been interesting to kind of see you guys parallel Arkansas not as egregiously bad as us to be fair but in the same kind of <laughs> expectations sure. that fans had just kind of dashed very aggressively against the rocks as the season progressed.
2: Yeah, I hear you. And one of the one of the weirdest things I think with with Missouri and Arkansas, because Missouri and AM are always going to be pledge brothers to a certain extent, even though we don't ever play each other. Um but we've got this we've got this yeah. forced rivalry that uh uh Papa sankey said that we have to play I guess from from your perspective, you know, I'm assuming you can speak for a good chunk of the Arkansas fan base. But from your perspective, um, are, are are we rivals?
1: You know, geographically speaking, this makes sense. You know, we we're border states we we share. You know, the battle line is real. There's a line that separates Arkansas and Missouri, and I'll give them that. But it just when we when you talk to Arkansas fans, it doesn't feel like a natural born rivalry. It doesn't feel like there was a moment or a game where you're like, Oh, you know what? I hate Missouri. You know, Mm -hmm. when it comes to Arkansas fans, like we hate LSU and we hate playing against, you know, Ole Miss because it's such a weird game and like has become like, there's so many storied games, especially we have multiple overtime games versus Ole Miss and things like that. And and we play, you know, LSU, it's for the the boot trophy, but this just feels very corporate-y and forced. Like, the sponsored by shelter insurance is just very pronounced in the rivalry. Like, again, there's just no signature moment to this. And Mm -hmm. it just kind of feels like we need a game at the end of the season and we've moved the LSU game. So you know what, Missouri, you're close enough. Let's make you our rival. And you're just going to have to deal with it. Uh,
2: Do you, do you want to be rivals? Like, should we start (laughs) fighting? Yeah. I
1: don't, I don't hate the idea. Like it's, It's it makes sense that we wouldn't like each other eventually, but it just, you know, when we played you guys in 2016, I think was a good moment of one of your guys just lit up one of our gunners uh, on a punt return. I believe it was and I saw it happen and I went, oh, like I physically reacted because the hit was so big. And I was like, wow, that was a good hit. Like, here we go. And then like five minutes later, I was like, ah, when is this game going to (laughs) be? Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, I think part of it, part of it is like, it's almost like we deserve each other because the past few years have just been mired in mediocrity (sighs) for both of our, it feels like we almost deserve each other to be rivals. It's like, hey, you two, like you are the worst kids we have. You guys go play in the corner and (laughs) sort it out. So it feels like we deserve each other, but I don't know if I want to be rivals with you guys because there's no like fire there. I don't, yeah. I don't want to like assume, uh, I don't assume how Missouri fans feel, but I'm assuming that we're kind of on the same page here that, oh, maybe we don't want to play Arkansas isn't exactly who gets our, our, our wood lit up.
2: Yeah. I mean, if you go through the list of, of teams that the Missouri football team hates, uh, or is feisty against? I mean, that list is going to be Kansas. It's going to be Nebraska, uh, yeah. South Carolina, in the SEC. Like we, we have teams that we can legitimately have beef with, and you know, it, it'd be nice to have a close geographical rival, but it, it does seem a little forced. I, what, what's your list of teams that you hate more than Missouri? You mentioned LSU, Ole Miss. Are there any LSU, other teams?
1: I real and I, I don't. I can't again. I'm speaking for me and for a lot of, I think, Arkansas fans, but we all really find AM very annoying. Um, <laughs> we we do not like them at all. Uh, mm-hmm. We go down and play them in Dallas, and every year it's a close game, and they always beat us by like three or four. And mm-hmm. we always, it's the game we always come close to winning, but always seem to like kind of get like lose out of our grasp. And granted, we have won a few in the past five years, but mm-hmm. man, I, would, I would say if we're doing our top three LSU AM, And Ole Miss. And Ole Miss only because it's such a weird game. Weird things happen in that game. You know, we had the Henry Heave a few years ago. We had the seven overtime game in Oxford (laughs) back, you know, early 2000s. Like, Mm -hmm. there's some weird stuff that goes into that game. So – those are – when I think of Arkansas football, you know, I wasn't around for the uh, – when they were in the Southwest Conference and Texas was our number one rival. So, mm-hmm. you know, that we were in the SEC by the time I was a fan because I'm, you know, a little bit younger. But, you know, tech, it's people still don't like Texas and Arkansas. I remember when I first got to campus, I went to a bookstore and the first thing I saw was the upside-down horn. So <laughs> we don't play them anymore, but people still consider Texas a rival.
2: I mean, especially with A&M, you know, they, they get into the league – and I mean, I I'm not gonna say I know Arkansas recruiting super well, but I feel like Texas is a good pipeline for you guys, and you yeah. were kind of the hey, you want to play in the SEC and you're from Texas, come here. And now A&M's like screwing all that up for you guys.
1: Yeah, they are eating into our turf for sure. You know, we used to have a huge Dallas pipeline with the Jerry Jones connection and. You know that that his uh, his outreach and his alumni ship there was great, but now you know A and M eats into it. You can play in the SEC, you can play for Jimbo Fisher at A and M, and that's a big draw. So we don't have the pull that we used to have in that Texas recruiting range. We still get guys for sure. Like that's not a question. Like sure. the SEC West is going to pull no matter what, but definitely there's some competition. People have been moving into the neighborhood.
2: Yeah, and you know when 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 Brett was fired, when Brett Bielema was fired. And you go with almost the polar opposite in Chad Morris. One right. of the draws was that Texas connection. I mean, he'd been he'd been at SMU for a couple of years. I, I know it's 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 probably still a fresh wound and it's still probably a very confusing wound, but you know, Chad Morris, the guy right. who basically was the architect for the Clemson offense that's still being run right now and kind of got SMU off the mat, comes to Arkansas and what happened?
1: That is a great question. Um, And, you know, I think, too, it's important to point out that one of the big reasons that Chad was hired was that Texas connection. like you said, SMU. But he's also a a high school coach there for a long time, a very successful high school coach. Mm -hmm. And that just builds into, like, the pipeline of Texas high school athletes that you're going to draw. So, you know, a big selling point for him was that. and I think that's part of what got him hired. Um, I just don't know. And this is personal observation here, but, and SMU is its whole own thing, but I don't know if Chad Morris was cut out to be a head coach in the SEC. Hmm. Uh, now I agree that he ran a great offense at Clemson and did great things for SMU, but SMU is in the American athletic conference. And as a coordinator, you're, allowed, you're supposed to do different things than a head coach. I don't sure. think that Morris was particularly good at picking a staff and controlling that staff or wrangling them in a way that makes put our players in the best position to win. And I don't think he was the best evaluator of talent from a head coaching standpoint, because we have some talent on our team. We have some very good players on our team. It just didn't feel like Chad Morris ever could figure out how to utilize our players in their, in a way that got them to play at their best of the abilities. um abilities. We got guys like Rakeem Boyd, on our team, who is a freak running back, uh, has over a 1,000 yards behind a pretty bad and shambles offensive line and a coach that didn't want to give him the ball and that sort of thing. It's just I didn't feel like he was head coaching material. Uh, He was a really good person that could give a press conference. He could say the right things, and he was one of the people. He dabbled a lot in what we call coach speak, just Mm -hmm. a lot of platitudes, a lot of we got to do this, we got to do that, but he never put anything in place that accomplished the goals that he was said he was going to accomplish. So I think we we talked to briefly about it last night when you were on, but what what seems to have been the case from sources close to the program is he lost our team. He lost the locker room this year after the Kentucky game, which is, you know, we lost 24-20, yes.
0: um,
1: and we lost to a wide receiver playing quarterback. Uh, and <laughs> – Look, that, as a team, yeah. you
2: also <laughs> lost to that same team. There's no disrespect in that. But, <laughs> but I mean, 24-20. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously you're not in the locker room. Right. But do you have any insight or kind of filling out the, the picture here of just exactly how you lose a locker room after a close loss like that?
1: It just, it felt to us and it feels like to... I would say, you know, we always claim that, you know, we're, you know, we're armchair coaches and it's easy for us to get on a podcast and say this is wrong, this is wrong as fans. But it just felt like this guy is coming off a bio. We had an extra week to prepare for this team. We know going in who we're dealing with here. We're playing a Kentucky team that's going to start this freak of an athlete at quarterback. We couldn't get a scheme for him on defense. Their playbook that game was super simple. You know, they ran plays that played to his strengths, and it showed in the final stat line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we couldn't get our guys going or we couldn't adjust to this team that we had an extra week to prepare for. And it just felt like at that point, if you can't scheme with an extra week, if you can't get the guys ready to play, uh, they are not going to want to play for you. And Chad Morris and his staff, this was the thing that frustrated me the most. On, on top of all their coach speak and all of their – platitudes and all that they had a really bad habit of throwing their players under the bus and i cannot stand that i cannot stand that um as as a fan of arkansas athletics as a fan of athletics in general i cannot stand when you as a coach of a college football program are a grown man and you're gonna throw any 18 to 22 year old kids under the bus because you couldn't get them prepared it's your Mm -hmm. job to get your team prepared to play regardless of who the opponent is. Mm-hmm. And if your first instinct is to look out for numero uno and put these kids in a position to look bad in front of the media, and to look bad in front of their fans, then I'm going to lose respect for you immediately. And I think that's kind of what happened to in the locker room of, Hey, I'm playing for you, this team that we're getting, you know, demolished, like on a weekly basis, we're not very good. We're getting trash in the media. Our fans aren't happy. And your first instinct is to take blame away from yourself and, put it on to me, why would I wanna why would I wanna come play? If you'll if you can go back and look at homecoming, a good example the Mississippi State game and the Western Kentucky game on those last two games when we're getting kind of mercilessly booed at home, uh, which is unfortunate, but is what happened. And it's not necessarily a reflection of the players, but kind of the situation that the players has been put in. If mm-hmm. you look at footage from those games, there is not a player within fifteen feet of Chad Morris on the sideline. <laughs> And that – I think that is just so telling about what kind of program he ran and what kind of internal politics kind of were going on in that locker room because the Western Kentucky game was on SEC Network and they barely wanted to show Chad Morris at all because he's just on on an island because no one wants to be around him. And, you know, he lost everyone. He lost the locker room. He lost the fans. He lost the donors. He lost the board. Like you can't – lose. I know a lot of people are very curious just to – a guy couldn't even finish out two years, but I think as an Arkansas fan, you deserve better. And two, if if you've lost that many people that quickly, there's no hope for you. Like I don't I'm all about giving people time to implement their scheme and their guys. But if you don't have anybody on your team, then I can't I can't go to bat for you anymore. Yeah.
2: So you all move on. You've got to yes. start in the coaching search. Um I got a couple scenarios for you. The first one I want to start with is in your dream scenario right right so there's no monetary limitations there's no contract limitations which coach would take over for Arkansas
1: my guy in that scenario hands down PJ Fleck um really? I, yes I want to row the boat baby I want to <laughs> row the boat at Arkansas I really really like his offense he runs basically. As one of our writers, Adam Ford, put it really well, he basically runs just a modern version of what Brett Bielema was trying to do. Mm-hmm. A lot of run-heavy on early downs uh, with really good athletes in the backfield, but he also bases his offense on RPOs and can stretch the field. They're very efficient in their passing game. Not a lot of turnovers, not a lot of incompletions, a high percentage of touchdowns when they're throwing the ball, and just really, really cool offensive mind. I think he's doing a lot of cool stuff. Like He took Western Michigan to the Cotton Bowl at 13-0. and He's Obviously got Minnesota in, back in the top ten. they are like I said rowing the boat and I just think what he's doing there could work really really well at Arkansas. I think he brings that scheme to Arkansas, the kind of Arkansas athletes that we typically recruit I think just work well and fit there and I think also every school he's been at, he's been just been loved by his players. I think he comes and makes an instant impact at Arkansas. I think you know a really good locker room brings the culture back to where it was and I also think he would understand what it meant to be an Arkansas guy, which is kind of important. So my guy, number one is, is PJ Fleck for sure. No question.
2: It's also a snappy dresser with his tactical capris. The, the man
1: looks good. The man can pull <laughs> off a sweater vest.
2: Oh, man. Okay. So second scenario, and maybe this is the same answer. I don't know, but in a, in a best case yet practical scenario, right. which coach would take over?
1: Right. And you know, PJ Fleck just signed that huge extension, I don't necessarily think he's going anywhere, but I don't think we should not not try. I want to make the okay. effort. Um, if I'm looking kind of that scenario, I Matt Campbell is a name that comes up for mm, me. Uh, Matt Campbell. I really like uh, Matt rule at Baylor as well. Um, oh. I really like, uh, I think Matt rule won because he runs basically the same style of offense as PJ Fleck does at, um, you know, at Minnesota. Necessary. It's not. It's pretty, and it doesn't look as good. But I mean, he had Baylor undefeated for a while there, and they should have beat Oklahoma. Just uh, mm. you know, kind of epic collapse at the end there. But he kind of runs that same offense, and I think he took a, again a program that was just floundering, um, and turned him around. Like coming off some very hard sanctions, you know, well deserved sanctions with the Art sure. Briles stuff. Not not to overlook that, but by. A football standard, he turned that team around, and he turned around very quickly. Um, and I think he could do the same at Arkansas. I think Matt Campbell and that broken stack defense up at uh, Iowa State is really cool. You know, he's got them better than they have really any right to be <laughs> at this juncture <laughs> into their rebuild. Um, and then also a, a name that I we kind of gets thrown around a lot is Mike Norville at Memphis. Yeah, um, you know, he took over a really good Memphis team after Justin Fuente's went over to. Virginia Tech. And so, you know, there's some questions of, is this actually Mike Norville or is he just reaping the benefits of what Justin Fuentes started at, at Memphis? But, you know, I think there's something to be said about keeping a good team good and mm-hmm. continuing them on a roll. So I don't – he's kind of one. And then recently the two names that have kind of rolled in as serious contenders within this last week uh, that I actually like a lot uh, are Luke Fickle uh, from Cincinnati and huh. act- actually Justin Fuentes from Virginia Tech. Yeah. Uh, so, the cases we're making is I think Luke Fickle is great. Oh. Um, Luke Fickle is cool. Uh, I think he's a good coach. You know, people always point to his weird year at Ohio State as the interim. Uh,
2: yeah, that's whatever.
1: Uh, yeah. Exactly. He's coming into a, I mean, the interim season, crapshoot of a season. He was there for a year, and he has turned Cincinnati into a legitimate contender uh, in the American. And they have been consistently good. I think my only concern with him is that guy for sure wants to coach at Ohio State again. So, you know, he's
2: Ohio through and
1: through. Yeah, he hasn't coached with a good question we asked like, can that guy even exist outside the state? He hasn't coached anywhere else (laughs) but Ohio. And then Justin Fuentes, you know, did great at Memphis and for some reason always has the designation of being on the hot seat. Although I think he's. Mm -hmm. 33 and 18 in his 40 years at Virginia Tech. So strong, strong number, good numbers there. It was great at Memphis, but I think the thing about me that I worry about with Arkansas fans is they won't be able to separate his coaching from the hot seat designation that always seems to kind of follow him. And I think that gives him a shorter leash right off the bat, which isn't really fair to him. So, mm-hmm. but those are two names that have entered serious kind of conversations around Arkansas football within the last week. So I would be remiss not to mention them.
2: So, I mean, obviously, trying to read the tea leaves from the outside is very tough. But I mean, who's the betting odds favorite right now to get the job?
1: When it started out, it was Norval, uh, but I think he's kind of—I think people are a little cool on him so far. I also think Barry Switzer kind of gave a recommendation of Mike Leach. So Mike Leach,
2: yeah, wow, that'd be awesome.
1: Mike Leach is always a name that comes up when any coaching like vacancy is a thing because he Mike Leach has no football home. He just wanders the country Mm -hmm. filling empty seats as needed. Uh, (laughs) So Mike Leach is kind of looking good right now. But right now, I think Luke Fickle and Justin Fuentes are kind of the leaders in the clubhouse. But here's the thing: is with Hunter Yurachek, there aren't going to be a lot of leaks. Hunter chick sure. plays his card so close to the vest. Mm-hmm. So we had the same kind of surprise when he hired Eric Musselman as the coach for our basketball program, and this is his this is his hire. Like the last hire, Chad Morris was not his hire. This is mm-hmm. going to be his hire, and for him to do that, there it's just it's going to be all speculation at this point. So even me saying what, I think the odds are on favorite that could change by the time this podcast comes out. But sure. I think the names I just gave you more than likely are going to be in the top the short list of who we're going to take.
2: it will be very interesting to see how it shakes out. Um, so kind of getting to the game on, uh, gosh, this Friday. Yeah. Wow. You, you all have had a tough year. Uh, we can, we can certainly understand that, but I mean, no matter, no matter the team, there's always some really good players on any team, no matter how good or how bad they are. So, In the matchup for this week, what are some names that Missouri fans should be looking out for that are going to make an impact for you guys?
1: Yeah, um, if Raheem Boyd gets going, man, he is tough to to contain. He is just he has been the majority of our offense, and just you know, so proud of him for the way he plays hard. He is the man. That guy has not stopped playing hard for this team, regardless of what our record says. Uh, but Rakeem Boyd in the backfield is going to be a freak um, to look out for. we got two very good, talented wide receivers in Traylon Burks and Trey Knox, uh, both very highly recruited coming out of high school. And neither of them have really had a breakout game, but they've been steadily consistent and good and, like, shown flashes of what they can do. And I really think with your guys' kind of struggle to defend the pass, if they can find the alleys and lanes and just get inside – your zone kind of coverage, they could have a couple big days. Uh, I'm going to two of them, Mike Woods in that receiving court. also really good. Um, I don't. We're kind of banged up at quarterback. Uh, I'm not sure who's starting as of recording. Um, mm-hmm. Potential to have our fifth quarterback of the year get the start, and Jack <laughs> yes. Lindsay. Um, but if it's KJ Jefferson, he is just uh, he's very raw, but man, is he just a pure athlete mm-hmm. and do a lot of different things with the ball in his hands. Essentially, you know, the speed of a running back, but got a cannon and when he can fit it into the windows, he wants to. He's a very accurate passer. You know, he's pretty banked up, you know, going down to LSU will do that to you. But if he is able to go and, you know, gets in a groove, I think also on offense, he's gonna be someone to watch.
2: Yeah, three five quarterbacks so far. So Nick Starkle, Ben Hicks, K.J. Jefferson, John Stephen Jones. Who's your, who's your fifth?
1: Jack mother freaking Lindsey, baby. Uh, <laughs> if you are unfamiliar, that is okay. Most people that go to Arkansas were unfamiliar. Uh, Jack Lindsey mm-hmm. came in relief during the last little bit of the LSU game and first play of the game ripped off a 30-yard run. Through for a, Yeah, yeah through for a touchdown was uh, very efficient. It was three for four for 51 yards and a touchdown against the LSU Tigers. Uh, Jack Lindsay okay. was not listed on the depth chart during that game. Oh. Was literally interesting. traveling with the team, uh, but was not on the depth chart. But we were so banged up or we didn't trust Ben Hicks enough that we were just like, you know what, Jack, you get in there and you give it a shot. And uh, he did well. You know, and after the game, okay. you know, people were seeing, like, who is this kid? And, you know, but. He, I, apparently he was tearing it up in practice all week and has been a, a good athlete, just not someone that's been on the radar. And it's not from lack of wanting him to be on the radar. It's just, no one's talked about it. Uh, no one was like, mm-hmm. Hey, we got to keep an eye out for this Jack Lindsay kid. Uh, but also I would like to say Jack Lindsay is like a first ballot hall of fame, SEC quarterback name.
2: <laughs> it really is. The best way is if you have two first names and uh, Jack Lindsay, Lindsay Jack. Very, yeah. You can go
1: very strong either way, but yeah. So, I mean, there's potential that he's our, he's our guy on Friday and all right. Should hopefully have some more light shed on that by, by tomorrow, but
2: well, you should certainly hope for that because Missouri has a propensity to lose to every single backup quarterback that gets the surprise start. So that would definitely favor you guys. <laughs> uh, um, okay. So Obviously, we've had a couple of wins this year. Yeah. Um, I know it's not a lot, but I guess when you look at this Arkansas team, and it's all going to depend on the quarterback and everything like that, but when you look at this team, how does Arkansas beat Missouri? What does that look like from a statistical perspective?
1: I think it's, it's feeding the rock to our guys that can move the ball well, and that's Rakeem Boyd. Uh, I think giving him – You know, there was a couple times where Raheem Boyd against Western Kentucky in particular. I'm thinking he got eight touches the entire game, which is just unconscionable, Uh, just gross. And like, granted, he was very efficient on those carries because he had two touchdown runs of 76 and 82 yards. But like, that just shows you what kind of athlete he is. And to not get him the ball, Mm -hmm. I mean, this is the last game of the season. We're not we're not going to a bowl. Like, we don't need to. Like, I don't want to like mess up his future by any means, but. We don't have to wrap him in bubble tape. You know, this is it. Like, this is all <laughs> we have left this season. And I want I want to see Rakeem Boyd. And we got some other guys in the backfield that can do some damage. Dave Whaley, Amante Spivey, those guys can do good things with a rock in their hands. And I think getting back to that running game that we do so well can be a way that we really can move the ball on you guys. Um, I think if we can get the passing game going, which is not a guarantee with – The carousel we've had at quarterback, I mean, part of the reason I feel like we can't get it going is because we can't really pick a guy and stick with him. You know, granted, we've been trying it with K.J. this last uh, bit of the season, and I'm for that. I think K.J. is the future of Arkansas football at the quarterback position, and I want to give him the reps that we're going to give him. So I think if he can get going and get the ball, spread the ball around to those guys, and I know you guys kind of struggle defending the pass, um, I think we can can do well there. And I think forcing you guys to pass the ball is going to be key. Because uh, I, mm-hmm. I know that you guys don't necessarily hold on to the ball when it's thrown to you. So I think making you, if we can like get you guys to help beat yourselves, like forcing you guys to throw, and we do every yeah. once in a while, we do a good job of clogging up running lanes. Like Chavis, granted, his defense has broken a lot more than it bends, but sometimes it does bend and doesn't break. So if we can force you guys to have to pass the ball because we're clogging up the running lanes, I think there is a, a chance where we could put those two things together. Uh, and get a dub at the at the Battle Line rivalry brought to you by Shelter Insurance.
2: <laughs> I would agree. Yeah, making us passes is just a terrible thing for us to do. So, uh, and yeah, our secondary is all banged up. They they released the uh, depth chart, and every starter in the secondary has an "or" indication, uh, which generally means that they're injured and not going to play. Yeah. So. That would be bad, um, but on the flip side, you know, what does Missouri have to do to beat you guys?
1: Yeah, so we are a defense that just loves to give up yards. Um, we're a big fan of that. So I think if you get if you guys get someone just with a hot hand, I mean for. For LSU, granted they're the number one team in the country, but their running back had eight carries for 188, or excuse me, six yes. six carries for 188 yards and three touchdowns.
2: Just
1: he, yeah, he scored on half his touches. Uh, he gained 108 yards on us, so you can beat us. Um, you know, we're kind of we're kinda, into the season. We're banged up a little bit on the defense side of the ball as well. Our secondary over the last few games has not looked good, so we want to make you guys throw. But if somehow we end up making you guys throw, and you guys can throw and you don't drop passes if you can go over the top you're going to beat us um we have a habit of giving up the long ball uh not great at covering in zone over the middle we kind of leave our linebackers out in coverage too much and ask them to cover on like a tampa two like that happened last week we asked our guy bumper Pool to cover deep on a tampa two and it ended up in of course just a very long touchdown pass so we get we get we can we're we're prone to giving up the deep play uh, and if you can find a way to get your guys down the field like in the seams that is going to be open for you all day. If we're not careful.
2: Okay. Prediction time. I know last night someone said something crazy about 20 points being scored in this game. Uh, you can pick a final score. You can pick a stat line of any sort, but, uh, what do you think happens on Friday? I would
1: like to say uh, guilty. That was me picking over twenty points. I was feeling pretty good. <laughs> it was high on the podcast emotions, feeling good about talking hogs. Got a little crazy, said uh, that the hogs would win twenty four seventeen. I don't think I'm gonna sense. I've come to my senses. I've had a day to think it over. I'm still gonna go a hogs win, but I'm gonna go hogs win seventeen fourteen. But I think the mo- the most okay. important thing here is that no matter what happens, the season will be over for both of us. And we can move on to other things. I, it's funny. Like, I know this team is bad, but I still invest emotional and mental time in it. Every, every dadgum Saturday they play. And I will finally uh-huh. rid myself of that prison this Saturday at the Battle Line Rivalry. Presented by Shelter of We are... Uh, <laughs>
2: We are just absolute suckers for this thing. I got to get this poison out of my my yeah. and yeah, it'll finally think, be done. It'll be I think the
1: done. like the yeah. slogan of the past two of like the past few weeks for both Arkansas and Missouri is let's get it over with. <laughs> <laughs> that should be that should be the slogan for the Battle Line rivalry. The let's get it over with. Damn. Damn. Battle yeah, what, right. what is it we call it? The Berry Bowl. Barry Lunny Jr. The Berry Barry Bowl, Lunny yeah. Jr. versus Barry Odom, baby. Battle the berries.
2: So so Mizzou listeners, you should really listen to the show from last night. I will tweet it out. Uh it was a lot of fun. But we did decide that instead of playing this stupid game, uh, our own Barry Odom and their Barry Lunny, who is their interim head coach, need to have a five round skill challenge uh at the fifty and that's- what do we say? It was like it's like deer hunting, deer hunting, and setting things, setting on, things fire. on
1: fire. Uh, I think like a drum off was one of them. Yeah, you know, just a miscellaneous talent show, and whoever wins yeah. the majority claims the Battle on Rivalry. Brought to you by Shelter Insurance. Uh, just so
2: much more. Yeah, than I,
1: I would I would much rather watch that than see whatever football football game is allegedly going to happen on that field in in Little Rock. And that's the other thing, too, is we talked about, like, if you are a Mizzou listener and you don't keep up with Arkansas football, this is the infamous Little Rock game. And weird things happen at the Little Rock game. We, that's where we lost to Toledo. Mm-hmm. It's where we lost to our huge loss to Louisiana Monroe a few years ago. Oh, that's like,
2: right. We yeah. Kind of weird
1: things happen there. Like the tailgates beforehand are always good for a really good fight or two. Uh, after the game, kind of the same situation. <laughs> So it's just weird stuff that happens there. So, uh, it at the very least, I you know, while well, I don't think the game is necessarily going to be pretty, there will definitely be a couple moments from it that we will get some uh, enjoyment out of.
2: I can't be, wait. As long as it's plastered with the Shelter Insurance logo, yeah, I need I
1: my branded bowl, my branded rivalries.
2: Oh, fantastic. All right, well, Saul, thank you very much for joining us today. We appreciate all of your insight on all things Arkansas.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me.
2: Good luck. Not too much good luck, but, you know, good luck as we as we go forward. Uh, Tiger fans, this season's almost done. We don't have to play and lose in a bowl. We can move on with our lives, and maybe we'll end it with a victory. I don't know. Uh, but please, like, subscribe, do all that stuff, leave us a review. I am Nate Edwards, at Nate G. Edwards. You can tweet me all your negativity if you'd like. Um, I guess we'll be back next week. I got some recovery to do, some, some projections in the offseason that we got to go over. Uh, So we might do another show, a little uh, post-mortem, maybe another dad pod uh, with resident dad Josh. Uh, But please keep subscribing. Please keep listening. Please keep staying strong. Uh, Until next time, nazi.